This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. In fact, we'll bring in public affairs analyst and political commentator Michael Tobe right now. Michael, thanks for joining us here today on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. My pleasure, Jane. Well, she didn't name U.S. President Donald Trump, but by name anyway. But yesterday, Christian Freeland said it's time for Canada to invest more on military spending because we cannot rely on the U.S. or others for protection. It was seen as the introduction to what's being introduced this half hour, actually, by Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan. Right. So is this a signal to the world that Canada is about to become a military power? I don't know if it's necessarily that. I think it's basically what Ms. Freeland said, and I think that her position is unsurprising because there are a number of European countries now who believe that the U.S. under uh, President Donald Trump is starting to move into an isolationist period. That is based on his rejection of things such as NATO, um, complications that he has with international trade agreements like NAFTA, etc., They believe, and again, you can't necessarily prove it, but it's just based on the language and some of the discussions we've seen. We're seeing that basically Donald Trump is trying to move the U.S. more towards the America First model that he's been talking about for a long time, not just in terms of economics, but also on a political standpoint, too. For that reason... I think that countries like Canada realize that they're now going to have to work amongst themselves or work for themselves to ensure that their position in the world remains strong and that the safety and security of the Canadian nation also remains a high priority. So we won't necessarily become a military power, but I think there's no doubt that uh, when Mr. Harjit Sashin, the uh, defense minister, comes out, he is going to announce, I would imagine, a huge amount of money for defense spending, which conservatives by nature, including myself, will obviously approve of because we believe in the, you know, the military and we believe that there should be spending for it so that they have the proper amount of weaponry, technology, surveillance equipment, security issues, etc., so that they can actually operate on a good basis internationally and domestically, too, It's just a question of how much is he going to spend and where exactly is this going. But regardless, Ms. Freeland has certainly started the, shall we say, the the role, so to speak, or the beginning of Canada moving in a direction where we actually talk more about the military and how much we should spend on it so that we protect ourselves rather than working hand-in-hand with the United States as we have, for the most part, for most decades. Michael, I want to interject our conversation with uh, comments from our listeners. Joe in St. Catharines, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Hello. Hi. What would you like to add? Well, I'd just like to know where all this money is going to be coming from. Great Uh, question. uh, Like, we've, like, let's face it, the U.S., like, we've been using them for many, many years, and so has the Eastern people there, uh, Western uh, Europe and everything else. So now Mr. Trump is saying, okay, everybody's on their own. Now let's see what you can do, more or less. So I'm wondering, where is the money coming when they don't have the money? 
And we're just, Michael, we're just hearing, thanks, Joe. Uh, we'll let you listen you. to Michael's response. But we're just hearing now from Defence Minister Sajjan um, that Canada is going to reverse a pattern of decline. The government's new policy will see annual defence spending increase by more than 70% in 10 years and will increase the size of the force to 71,000. So with that in mind and the question uh, from our listener, uh, your response. Yeah, and in your and your uh, the comment from Joe is actually accurate because that's the first thing I was wondering myself. Where is this money going to come from? The Harper Tories, for example, when we were in government, we did look for money from time to time to spend on the defense, but unfortunately, in the end, we couldn't gather a lot. And the amount of money that we actually did spend on defense during our roughly ten years in office was, to a lot of small C conservatives, not enough. Now. It's fine that the Liberals want to put more into defense spending. I think that's actually a good thing to do. But again, much like Joe and I'm sure some of your other listeners are wondering about, where is this money going to come from? And if he's taking it away from, say, resources that are sort of iffy, that really don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, and they're going to cobble it all together and push it that way, that could be effective. But if they're going to take it from programs that are important for Canadians, or on, say, some of the things that the Harper Tories put through, such as targeted tax credits and other things, and start ending programs to ensure that defense spending is propped up, you know, that may make, obviously, Liberal Party supporters happy, but won't necessarily mean that it's, A, the right way to do things, and, B, that it won't be costly for Canadians in the end. So we have to see what the total amount is going to be per annum, and as well, we have to sort of figure out where the money is coming from rather than the Liberals just creating a pie-in-the-sky amount, which just pops out of nowhere, and we can't figure out exactly where it's coming well, from. Well, and this leads me to my next question for you. Do you think there's an element of showing off by the Canadian government to the U.S. that we've grown up? You're taking a different stance. We no longer share the same philosophies. So look at us. We're our very own nation with our very own strong military, and we're going to join in with with Europe, and we don't really need you anymore, despite the fact that we still get along as neighbors. I don't know. I mean, I thought we grew up actually, quite frankly, during the Harper years. I really do, because actually a lot of international countries, Jane, were actually listening to us when we talked about issues such as Afghanistan, Iraq, and various other areas. People actually paid attention when Stephen Harper said whatever he reportedly said to Vladimir Putin about the Ukraine and brought us in. People looked at Canada as sort of an economic model during the subprime mortgage crisis and were amazed as we sort of handled the choppy waters that the financial uh, economy or the economy was sort of facing at that time. We had grown up. We were actually at the adult table for quite a number of years. And then when Justin Trudeau became prime minister, in many ways, we quickly went back to the kiddie table, as I once wrote for uh, National Review magazine a number of years ago, and for that reason, I think that Canada has actually been held at a lower standard. Yes, I think it's actually good to see that Canada wants to spend more in its defense and protect the nation. And yes, I, don't, I think that Donald Trump, who by and large gets along with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, ideologically they're both very different, but there seems to be a, a, common, a, common, a commonality between the two, either brought along, say, by their common friendship with former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, or just the fact that they just happen to like each other's company when they meet uh, for various public events or the G7 conference, etc. I think that what's happening here, however, is that Canada 
is starting to realize it needs to be independent. It's starting to realize that we can't rely on the United States and other countries to take care of ourselves, and that's good. But again, with all the money sort of up in the air, with the question of really what is going to be our status, and whether the United States truly does care or doesn't care what a mid-sized power like Canada does is another issue entirely. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're talking about the Trudeau Liberals' plan to increase military spending and to beef up the military over the next decade. We're hearing from Ottawa from Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan. The new vision for the military includes a $13.9 billion increase in defence spending over the next 10 years. But while some of the money will start flowing right away, the taps aren't expected to fully open until after the next election in 2019. And Michael Tobe, public affairs analyst and political commentator, this brings to light the question of, is this going to be an election issue? So floating it out there and then asking the Canadian people, is this important to us as a nation? Well, I think that's what they're counting on. I'm just looking at some stuff as they speak on Facebook Live, where apparently all the cool kids are, Jane, not where you and I are. <laughs> well, we are there, though. You're there. <laughs> in, in, a, in, a, in effect, I sort of am. So it's basically going to be 70%, according to CBC News, 70% over the next decade, which means that military spending will go up to, or defense spending will go up to, $32.7 billion at the end of it. But as you said, it's mostly earmarked for after the election, Plus, according to early reports, it's a combination of new cash, so money that was already earmarked for defense spending in the first place, plus additional sums, which unfortunately, as of right now, I don't know where they're coming from. Right. But it's, it's, I think it will become an election issue, probably, because what we're seeing is that Canada, much like a lot of countries in Western Europe, are now sort of realizing that they may have to do things differently. That includes business. That includes uh, foreign policy. That can include just politics in general differently than the United States is doing it right now. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to isolate the U.S. and they're just going to be sort of left off on their own standing in the wind. But it means that Canada, among other countries, realize that they have to now spend more and do more to ensure that the security and safety of our nation is first and foremost of any government's agenda. So I'm not in any way, shape, or form disagreeing with the federal liberals on doing this. There's lots I dislike about this government, but certainly defense spending is not really a major issue for me, and it should not be, because it is important to have a strong military. But at the same time, it's a lot of money. It has been difficult for previous conservative and liberal governments, this includes Jean Chrétien, Paul Martin, and others, to actually earmark this properly. And that's when times were both good and bad. It's hard to, um, to really find the money, which costs many billions of dollars to prop things up. While it's important, and while we've probably let spending for the Canadian military lapse for many years, as academics like Jack Granenstein and others have suggested, and they're right, you've got to still be sure that we have a prudent style in terms of where this new money, quote-unquote, is coming from and what it's being taken away from. Again, if they're lesser programs, and we'll find out over time, I don't think that's a too big a deal. But if they're programs that are important to a lot of Canadians, and that could be in eastern Canada, western Canada, Atlantic Canada, etc., 
then that would become a major issue. And that is certainly something that the Tories, the NDP, the Greens, the Bloc, and others could really hammer home. Let's hear what you have to say about this. 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Joan in Oshawa, what would you like to add to the conversation? Hello, Jane. How are you today? Fine, thanks. Go ahead. how is your guest doing? (laughs) I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I don't mind about the military spending because Canada is overdue, actually, Indeed. to have the uh, military spending raised. What I'm concerned about is taxation. Um, what areas and that would it come from? Yeah, and there's been that's very vague in today's announcement from the defense minister, so we can only speculate, Michael. Yes, absolutely. No, I'm concerned, obviously, about raising taxes as well. I don't, I don't approve of higher taxes. I have called for lower taxes since I started in this game and long before I ever wrote a word on a piece of paper and handed it into a newspaper. So that's obviously very important to me, and I think it should be important to small-c conservatives and right-thinking liberals and others because we want to ensure that every dollar is spent prudently in this country. Again, not to keep repeating myself, this is an important issue. It's good, in theory, that the Liberals are tackling defense spending and want to prop up the military, but we really have to ensure that we know exactly where all the new money, not the committed cash, but the new money is coming from, so that it's not just being done in an all-or-nothing fashion, where other programs that are important, or quite frankly, programs that the Liberals didn't like from the old Harper regime, where I worked at, are being left behind. That's the real key here. And Michael, when we talk about the global dynamic that's happening right now, it, to me, it's 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 fascinating. You have, uh, for one, German Chancellor Angela Merkel leaving the G7 summit meeting uh, that included Trump yep. with the declaration saying Europe really must take our fate into our own hands. Yes. Then you have Christian Freeland, our own foreign affairs minister, yesterday standing up, making a very a polished, professional, respectful speech about our identity and where we're going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Donald Trump in the United States saying America first. Do you think that he has fully thought out the process of, wait a minute, I'm going to be ostracized. I'm going to be excluded. I feel like he's not going to like that. Well, as I've often said, I'm neither pro-Trump nor anti-Trump. I'm sort of in the middle with Donald Trump. When I like something he does, I'll praise it. When I dislike something, which I have often, I have discredited it or basically slammed it as hard as I possibly can. Do I think he's really thought this through? Quite frankly, I don't think the U.S. president thinks much of anything through. I think we really have to look towards his advisors and whether they're giving consideration to it. The fact is that the Trump White House, and, and more specifically the U.S. president, they understand what one has to do on a global specter because they understand that the world it thinks in global terms. The difference is that Donald Trump is not a globalist. He is very much, he's not necessarily an isolationist. He's not a, an America firster from the days of Charles Lindbergh and beyond. But he certainly does believe that America needs to sort of work from within to improve its economy, its politics. And if the international community doesn't play by the rule book that Donald Trump wants, 
which is to have a certain amount of fixed spending, around 2% roughly of GDP is what he really wants from all countries that are part of NATO, which quite frankly, and he is right about this, most of the NATO partners are not spending that much of their own economies, 2% of GDP on defense spending. That does cause frustration, and it forces him in many ways to retrench from, say, a globalist point of view. I don't think necessarily he likes it all that much. I think he has turned away from it in, well, let's say the last five to ten years, if you look at the pattern of Donald Trump. I think he was more of a globalist, say, in the 90s than he is today, when you occasionally heard him chat about politics. But even so, it's important, though, for the U.S. to remain a key player on the international scene. And when you're starting to hear things, as other world leaders are, like Donald Trump sort of saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, or else the United States just may tear up the agreement, or we may leave, or we're not going to be an important player any longer, or we're not going to be a junior partner in a senior outfit basically propping up all of you, that's the sort of thing that concerns people like an Angela Merkel, that concerns, say, a Justin Trudeau and others. And for that reason, you're now seeing that the world realizes it has to do business differently. It has to do politics differently. It's going to have to do foreign policy differently, too. And this is the starting point. We just have a couple of minutes left here, Michael. Sure. I want to well, go to an American on the line here, Keith in Rochester. Go ahead, Keith. And if you can make it brief, that would be great. Spend your military money smart on new high technologies that are acceptable to everyone, even people who oppose the military. My final comment, generals always fight future wars based on the last war's tactics and strategies. Go high tech. That's what I would advise with Trump on the border. He doesn't have to build a concrete wall. You can put up all kind of high technologies that would get the job done and be acceptable to everyone. Spend your military money smart, and you'll get everyone and every party behind you. Okay, I appreciate your brevity there, Keith. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's more cost-effective to be thinking technologically uh, in a technologically savvy way, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, Trump is determined to build the wall. So no matter what, unfortunately, your your caller's viewpoint is not going to be followed by the U.S. president or his administration. Um, but I agree. If you think about the military in smart terms, like high-tech spending or high-tech equipment, I think that is actually very important, and it's a very crucial point. And that's what I would hope that the federal liberals are going to do when they increase defense spending. It's obviously you want to have more boots on the ground. That is, uh, is an important point and something I firmly believe in, and I hope that many other Canadians do too, because that's how a war is fought. But at the same time, we have changed a lot, and the, the basic nature of how we fight a war is very, very different from the strategic standpoint, and high-tech things would actually help a lot, and that includes drones and other principles that would obviously benefit us and would be able to create a, a bigger air game, so to speak, where you can launch bombs, where you can attack certain points, you can have better surveillance, etc. So I agree with your caller. That is the right way to do it. It's just now a question of what the Liberals plan to do and what Minister Sajan plans to do in terms of all this new spending, even if most of it is going to be related to or be involved with the next federal election. Michael, we will continue this conversation on another day. Thank you. My pleasure, Jane. Have a good day. Public affairs analyst, political commentator, Michael Tobe. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.